It was about 15 minutes before the end of my shift as chaplain on call, when I was paged to the hospital's cardiac catheterization lab. And I had never been to the cath lab before. It's not really a place that chaplains are usually called to visit. We spent most of our time on the inpatient floors. Patients usually go to the cath lab for a procedure or a test of some kind, spend a short time there, then go back home or go back to their inpatient rooms. And as I answered the page, I could hear the shock in the nurse's voice as she told me what had happened. A man in his 50s, let's call him James, had come in for a fairly straightforward test. And things seemed to be going routinely until they weren't. Without any warning, his heart stopped. And the team performed CPR, but despite their frantic efforts, James had died there on the table as his family waited outside in the waiting room unawares. And as I went to visit them, through their tears, his wife and daughters told me how he had walked the dog in the park that morning and how they were planning to go home after the test and go have dinner. And everything seemed like a normal day. But for James and his family, instead that was the day when the world came crashing down around their heads and their predictable lives changed forever. There are other kinds of moments like that. For many people here in Sonoma County, a moment like that came in October 2017 in the early morning hours of the 9th. And of course, we had an aftershock of that moment this year again. So sometimes it's a natural disaster, sometimes it's a medical emergency, or sometimes it's some other kind of unforeseen crisis. But there are these moments that crash through the bubbles of security and predictability that we try to construct for ourselves. Bubbles that we have to try to construct for ourselves to get through life. But bubbles that are surprisingly fragile sometimes. And these moments are as unexpected as the flood in the days of Noah, as unexpected as the coming of a thief in the night. It feels a little jarring to come on Thanksgiving weekend and think about the cryptic sayings of Jesus about the end of the world at a time when we might rather be thinking about leftover turkey recipes or what to put on the Christmas list. And this is the paradox of Advent. Because every year the church calendar does this to us. We come with our hearts full of candy canes and twinkle lights and are jolted by these readings that shock us out of complacency and into self-examination. Advent is a time to prepare for the coming of Jesus. Not only the coming that already happened at Bethlehem, but also the next coming, the future coming at the end of all things. What that looks like, we cannot know for sure. But Christians have always proclaimed that the same God who brought life to Jesus again after the cross intends also to bring life again to the whole creation. And we got a glimpse of what that looks like this morning from the prophet Isaiah, a beautiful vision of the world at peace. But just as there is no resurrection without the cross, 
So there's no peace and reconciliation of the age to come without the confrontation and judgment of the present. Now what that confrontation and judgment feels like can depend to a great extent on how safe and secure our lives feel in the present. The apocalyptic sayings of Jesus, these sayings about judgment and the end of the world, for many of the early disciples, they sounded like very good news. In the ears of people who are already poor and on the margins, when you already live on the edge of being hungry or being arrested or being assaulted, then the idea that the world is about to be turned upside down may not feel as scary. And the idea that God is ultimately in control can be very comforting indeed. Not so much so if you're relatively comfortable already. And so there is a reason it's been said that the good news of Jesus comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. It doesn't take too much self-examination for me to be very aware of how much I would like to live a basically comfortable and safe life. The kind of life that includes paying off loans, accumulating a non-extravagant but sensible retirement portfolio, <laughs> giving my children everything they need and some of what they want, and dying in my bed at a ripe old age. And on a lot of days, that kind of life seems not only possible, but actually within my own control to achieve. And the fact that I am able to think that has more than a little to do with the class and race that I happen to be born in. And it has more than a little to do with some of the messages that circulate in our culture that suggest that prosperity and security is basically a matter of working hard enough, acting moral enough, and planning carefully enough. And working hard, acting moral, and planning carefully are very good things to do. But the reality is, they don't keep us safe. They don't keep us secure. And that is why I need to hear, and we need to hear, Jesus' words from Matthew's Gospel this Advent. If my life is built on the illusion of some kind of self-made security, what will happen to me when that foundation comes crashing down? when one of those moments comes, like a thief in the night. An alternative to that illusion comes in trusting God and following God. But following God isn't a recipe for security in a conventional sense. We see that most of all in Jesus himself. As he speaks these words that we heard today, he is in the last week of his life. He is facing his own end of the world. And instead of protecting himself, instead of building a bubble of security around his life, he prepares himself for the end by living in a relationship of total trust with God. And it certainly doesn't keep him safe in any conventional way. By the end of this week, he will have lost all his possessions, his friends, his good name, and his life. And yet it is also true that even in this time of greatest disaster, Jesus is held safe in the love of the same God who carried Noah through the flood. God carries Jesus through his own passion. It's as if his tomb becomes an ark, carrying him through the flood to resurrected life. 
There is no true safety in this world. There is a different kind of safety in trusting God. Maybe you have seen the musical Les Miserables or read the novel, which has a famous story about the coming of a thief in the night. It happens when the convict Jean Valjean finds lodging at the home of a kindly bishop. And as he leaves, he steals the silver on his way out. And the next morning, he is caught and dragged back to the bishop's home, only to be stunned when the bishop looks at him and says, Dear brother, I'm so glad you've come back. You remember the silver where I gave you, but you forgot to take the candlesticks. And in that moment, Jean Valjean's life is not only saved, but is changed forever. He is transformed as he's stricken to the heart by the love and mercy that he has shown. That bishop was prepared for the coming of the Son of Man. He prepared himself not by safeguarding his life and his possessions. He prepared himself by cultivating a loving heart by cultivating a set of values that match God's values. It is Advent. Jesus is coming. He came to us once as a poor infant without a safe place to sleep. He will come again in glory to usher in a new creation. And now in the meantime, he comes to us each day in the face of our neighbor. May we recognize him now, so we will know him when he comes.